Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we do praise you, for there is none like you. You are the awesome Lord God Almighty, and we do praise you and bless you and thank you for what your plans are for your people, for this country, for the world, Father. You have a sovereign plan, and just help us, Lord, to be in tune and in step with you and your presence. And so we ask you now for you to come and teach us from your word about your mighty presence, Father. And so we invite you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, many ask the important question, where is God? Those earnestly seeking the Lord ask this question because they want to find him. Skeptics ask this question sarcastically, you know, where is God? The guilty sinner asks this question so he can run the other way. And the hurting person who feels abandoned asks, where is God when I need him? So tonight we're going to look at the answer to these questions as we look at God's attribute of omnipresence. Now, because our God is so big and so awesome and so mighty, there is no way that I can give you all the scriptures on this attribute in 45 minutes. So tonight, we're just going to look at a few nuggets regarding his omnipresence. We're going to look at God's attribute of being omnipresent, God's abilities based on this attribute, and our accountability to this attribute. So God's attribute of being omnipresent. What is omnipresent? Well, omni means all or everywhere, and present means being or existing or occurring. So omnipresent is God's ability of being present everywhere at all times. Omnipresence is the noun form. It's the condition of being present everywhere at all times. We speak of his omnipresence. Omnipresent is the adjective form. It's how we describe God. He is omnipresent. There are three omni-attributes that are closely related, and they work in, in harmony and unity. Kathy last week spoke of his uh, omnipotence. We will look at omnipresence tonight, and omniscience will be next week. Because God is present everywhere at all times, he knows at all times what needs to be done. And he has all power to do whatever needs to be done. And as Kathy said last week, it, it can be difficult for us to wrap our key brains around some of these attributes because we're limited. We are limited. Omnipresence can be difficult because we can only be at one place at one time. But as Donna said, let's not bring God down to our limitations. And some do exactly that. They won't believe or have faith in that our God is omnipresent simply because they aren't. But not only can we as humans have a hard time fully understanding God's omnipresence, but also some are not comfortable with an omnipresent God. And this is why we have religions, a God made by their own hands. They want a God they can see and feel and touch, a God they can understand with their pea brain, and they want a God that they can control. And as humans, 
we can't fully understand with our head the absolute perfection of the one true God of the Bible, and we certainly can't control him. Even David said as he's contemplating the Lord's attributes in Psalm 139.6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I imagine David was blowing fuses, just thinking and contemplating about God's attributes. But we don't have to fully understand or grasp the concept of God's omnipresence. All we have to do is have faith in who he is and believe what his word says about him. And God's word tells us that our God has the attribute of being omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times. So the skeptic who asks sarcastically, where is God? The answer is he is everywhere at all times because he is omnipresent. And if you think about it, it's a pretty awesome attribute. I mean, even if you just, we probe into this just a little bit. But two questions arise. What does this mean? And how does this attribute affect us? So let's look at our second point, God's abilities based on this attribute. Omnipresence is one of the natural or incommunicable attributes of God. No one or nothing else has or can have this attribute. His omnipresence means that he has certain abilities that nothing or no one else can have. And the first one is that only God is everywhere at all times. Now, this doesn't mean that God is in everything as the New Agers believe. He's not in the trees. He's not in the rocks. He's not in any of his creation. The only exception is those who have believed on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. God is not in us because we are gods. He is in us through the Holy Spirit who comes into our hearts at the time of being born again, and and we'll develop that in a bit. But it's also important to notice that uh, or note that Satan is not omnipresent, and he is limited. He is not able to be everywhere at all times, nor can he go anywhere he wants. And the book of Job clearly illustrates this. Now, he has emissaries all over the world, but they too are not omnipresent, and they too are limited. All other beings, physical or spiritual, are limited and restricted to a given place or time. This includes you and me, angels, Satan, and demons. And there is no such thing as being partially omnipresent. It's, it's like being pregnant. Either you are or you aren't. <laughs> Only the Lord God Almighty is omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times because there is none like him. Now, the Lord's omnipresence also means that he is not limited by space, matter, or time. And in our study, we read Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12, and it it clearly shows us. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day and the darkness and light are both alike to you. 
As David contemplated how God knew him inside and out, he wondered where he might go to hide from the Lord. Heaven, hell, east, west, the far side of the ocean, it didn't matter. The Lord is already there. We also read Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God far off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, says the Lord? You know, in, in the late 50s, the Soviet government under uh, Khrushchev, they undertook a new campaign. It wasn't the first, but it was a new campaign to quell or extinguish religion in order to achieve the atheist society that communism envisioned. So they, they were on this campaign to try to disprove God. And uh, Soviet leaders saw the space program as a tool to attack religion. And one of the most commonly repeated anti-religious arguments of that time was that the cosmonauts had not seen God when they went into space. This was... This was uh, prevalent at, at that time. Uh, in the early days of the space travel, one of the Russian cosmonauts returned from orbiting the Earth to announce that he had looked out into space and had not seen God anywhere. And I like what one pastor replied to this. Well, let him take off his spacesuit for just one second and he'll see God quick enough. <laughs> But the Lord is not bound by our limitations of this universe, space, time, or matter, all of which he created. Because he is superior to his creation, he is not subject to his creation. And also, God is a spirit. In John 4.24, Jesus said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So God is not a, a physical body or a visible form as we are. Therefore, he's not limited to our understanding of existence. I like what Sir Isaac Newton, the, the physicist and mathematician, the guy who discovered gravity and a few more things there, he, he said this profound, uh, he wrote this profound conclusion about God. He is eternal and infinite, omnipotent and omniscient. That is, his duration reaches from eternity to eternity. His presence from infinity to infinity. He governs all things and he knows all things that are or can be done. He is not eternity and infinity, but eternal and infinite. He is not duration or space, but he endures and is present. He endures forever and is everywhere present. And by existing always and everywhere, he constitutes duration and space. Since every particle of space is always and every indivisible moment of duration is everywhere, certainly the maker and the Lord of all these things cannot be never and nowhere. I had to read that a few times to really grasp it, but it was pretty profound. Simply put, God is eternal. He is infinite. He is the creator of space, matter, and time. Therefore, he cannot be contained by them or our concepts or understanding about them. And he cannot be never and nowhere. 
And just for fun, I want to give you a couple more Isaac Newton quotes, just see if you know them. And to every action there is always... Yeah. What goes up must... I thought they were, these were fun. Sorry. I liked this one. The tact, tact is the art of making a point without making an enemy. And then he said, I can calculate the motion of heavenly bodies, but not the madness of people. <laughs> Gravity explains the motions of the planets, but it cannot explain who sets the planets in motion. And this one I really liked. Trials are medicines which our gracious and wise physician prescribes because we need them. And he proportions the frequency and weight of them to what the case requires. Let us trust his skill and thank him for his prescription. So next time you go through a trial, remember that. So only our God is is not limited by space, matter, or time because there is none like him. Also, he cannot be contained in a building. In Second Chronicles uh, chapter 6, at the dedication of the first temple in Jerusalem, Solomon, on his knees with his hands spread out towards heaven before the assembly of the people, said in verse 14, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven or on earth like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. And then in verse 18, he says, But will God indeed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. And, you know, sometimes well-meaning people will call the church building the house of God. But it's not a big deal as long as we understand that God cannot be contained to a building or in a building. And this sanctuary in here right now, in and of itself, it's not sacred ground. It's a building. Now, I I come from a Catholic background, and uh, we would be yelled at if we made any noise inside the church building. And if we laughed with joy, forget it, man. The the priest would get really upset with you. And when Henry and I first uh, got saved, uh, you know, we were visiting churches to see where the Lord would lead us. But the very first church we went to, the pastor was on a roll that day. He was funny and the body was enjoying it and everybody was laughing and we're sitting going, is this right? I mean, is this, you know, is this? <laughs> the Lord doesn't specially dwell in a building made by the hands of man. God dwells among his people and in his people, wherever they are and whenever they gather together. And if there ever comes a time in our country where we are prohibited from gathering, God's presence will still be with his people wherever they are. No one can get rid of God by forbidding his people to assemble or even by outlawing Christianity. I mean, just look at the church in Iran. You know, we had the ladies from Elam Ministries. That is amazing. You can't outlaw God. Because his presence is in his people wherever they are. So only our God cannot be contained in a building because there is none like him. God cannot be reduced to or represented by an image or a statue. Now, this is why the second commandment warns us in Exodus 20 verse 4. That you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth 
beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And this is why the Jews refused to make any pictures or drawings or statues of God or even of Jesus. And it's idolatry to use religious pictures or figures to aid in our devotion or worship to God. He's not in those pictures. He's not in those figures. He's not in the jewelry. Now, if your kids make an innocent drawing of Jesus, don't freak out. It's okay. As long as you're not looking to that picture when you pray and you worship the Lord. And it's a good opportunity to explain to them that we really don't know what God or Jesus looks like and that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So only our God cannot be reduced to or represented by an image or a statue because there is none like him. And because the Lord is omnipresent, this also means that he sees all. And this overlaps into his omniscience. He sees and is aware of every situation that affects us, past, present, and future. We will develop um, his omniscience in next week's study, but one thing I want to point out is that our Lord is the God who sees everything because he is everywhere at all times. Nothing escapes his presence, and no one can hide from him. In our study guide, we looked at Job 34.21, which says, For his eyes are on the ways of man, and he sees all his steps. It doesn't matter where we are or the circumstances, the Lord is there, and he sees everything. When we studied the names of God, we learned the Hebrew word Elroy, which meant who, the God who sees. And remember in Genesis 16, Hagar fled from Sarai's harsh dealings with her. Uh, she's in the desert. She's with child. And Yahweh meets her there. And he speaks words of promise and comfort. And then Hagar replies in Genesis 16:13, Thou art Elroy, or you are the God who sees. He is with us at all times, and he sees every detail and every interaction of our day. He sees when we're in need, when we're afraid, when we're in danger, when we're overwhelmed, when we're troubled. He sees everything. And we can fully rely on the Lord no matter how desperate our situation may be. Just like Hagar, we will never be lost from the Lord's presence. Again, Jeremiah 23 23 and 24, can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? So to the guilty sinner who asks the question so he can run the other way, the answer is you can run, but you can't hide from the Lord. You can ignore him, but you won't be able to avoid him. So only our God can see all because there is none like him. God's omnipresence also means that he is always near and available to us. He fills all the universe, and yet at the same time, he is near to, present with each and every one of his children. In Deuteronomy 4.7, Moses said, For what great nation is there that has God so near to it? As the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason, we may call upon him. God is near to us even in the worst moments of our life. Psalm 34:18 says, "The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those that are crushed in spirit." 
Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He is with us in the midst of suffering and pain and sickness and sorrow, anger, grief, bitterness, betrayal, warfare, wartime, even in natural disasters, accidents, loss. And you know what? He's with us even at the moment of our death. Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. James 4.8, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, when we have a loved one in need, we can only be physically by their side as fast as we can travel there. But we can be sure that the Lord is always near and available to us wherever we are any time of day or night. We always have his full attention, and we don't have to make an appointment. He's never far away, and he's not unable to hear us when we pray. Can you imagine what it would be like if when we began to pray, we're interrupted by an angel saying, "Uh, I'm sorry, but God is busy handling a major crisis in the Middle East, leave your name and number, and someone will get back to you as soon as possible. That's never going to happen. Never going to happen. He is with us. He is available to us 24-7, no matter where we are. The Lord hears us as if we're the only one praying. So when the hurting person who feels abandoned asks, where is God when I need him? The answer is, he's waiting for you to call upon him and seek him. He wants you to draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. So only our God is always near and available to his children because there is none like him. His omnipresence also means that his presence is strengthening. God is inherently strong. It's one of his communicable attributes. David said in Psalm 68:34, ascribe or acknowledge strength to God. His excellence is over Israel and his strength is in the clouds. The Psalms speak of his mighty voice or voice of power. Isaiah 51 and 62 speak of his arm of strength. And our awesome God bestows strength to his people. Psalm 29:11, the Lord will give strength to his people. Psalm 68, 35, the God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. And not only is strength given to us by God, but he himself is that strength. It is his strength that he gives to us. Psalm 46, 1, again, God is our refuge and strength. Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. Isaiah 12, Two, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Philippians 4.13 says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me, strengthens me. And Colossians 1.11 speaks of being strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. It is Christ in me through the power of the Holy Spirit that is the actual of strength of God that he gives to his people. Psalm 105.4 says, seek the Lord in his strength. When we're in God's presence, his strength can be found. 
And again, our Lord is near us in times of pain and suffering, and he will give us his strength to get through that trial, to get through a situation, to get through this life. And I know I know some of you here personally tonight who have experienced God's strengthening presence in the midst of difficulty and sorrow. When we experience his strengthening presence, we will be able to look back in hindsight and, and marvel at how God brought us through something. So our problems can be opportunities to experience God's strengthening omnipresence because there is none like him. And the Lord's presence is not only everywhere, but he is present in the born-again believer. God's very presence through the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside us at the time of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior by the confession and repentance of our sin and asking Jesus to come into our lives. Romans 10.9, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Ephesians 1.13 tells us that at the time of believing the gospel of salvation, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 says, In him, Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 1 Corinthians 6.19 tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, and 17, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. And that word in Greek means forever, and it includes eternity. Verse 17, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Wherever we are, the Lord is with us and he is in us. This is where our God is very personal with us. And as Kathy pointed out last week, the Lord is so personal. He knows the hairs on our head. He collects our tears in a bottle. So to those earnestly seeking God, asking, where is God? They will find him by accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Then they will have the very presence of God inside them through the Holy Spirit. So the Lord's presence is always with us as the Holy Spirit is in us because there is none like him. So what is our accountability to this attribute? What or how should uh, we respond or what's our duty to God's omnipresence? If we remember nothing else about the Lord's omnipresence, we must remember this. We are always in the presence of God. And as a child of God, this fact should lead us to the conviction that we will not go anywhere or do anything where we cannot enjoy God's presence. First Peter 1 15 through 16 says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So we have to be aware at all times of our behavior, our conduct, where we go, what we do. Because we're always in God's presence. We cannot hide from the Lord. And we should walk accordingly in holiness. And as we establish that God is near to his people, God promises to draw near to anyone who will draw near to and call upon him. So let's remain near 
to God near his presence. And let's take advantage of being able to call upon him for any reason at any time, all the time. Kathy said last week, sometimes we are aware of his presence and sometimes we lose sight of his presence. And and that is so true. But why does this happen? Why do we lose sight of his presence? Someone said, God is with you if you are with God. If you are far from God today, who moved? He's right where he always said he would be. If you aren't conscious of his presence, perhaps it's because you moved far away from him. So how can we remain aware, be conscious of God's presence as we go about our day? Well, first, persistently seek him, seek his guidance and direction for our choices in every area of our life. Every decision is to be sifted through God's word and his will. And in each choice, our first thought should be, what would the Lord have me to do? Second, read his word every day. Reading the scriptures is like listening to the Lord speak directly to us. And then we're reminded all day long of his instructions and his constant presence and care. Prayer is to be a priority. Let's not just come to the Lord with our problems or requests, but let's carry on a conversation with him all day long, verbally or, or in our thoughts. And an obedient lifestyle will keep us in tune with the Lord's presence. And the more we are aware of Jesus in our life, in our day, the less we will tolerate sin because it doesn't fit anymore. And as we do these, we will cultivate a strong, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, and we will have the mindset. We, we will be aware, have that consciousness. We won't lose sight of his presence, that he's always with us. And our love for him and our sensitivity to his presence will grow. And finally, let's remember the promise of God's presence when it's our time to go home with him. And this is the most important promise of all. He promises to be with us in the hour of our departure from this earth, whether by rapture or by death. We will not pass across the threshold of death alone. Uh, We all know Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And why? For you are with me. In the moment of our passing, we're not left alone. The Lord Jesus Christ is still with us as we cross that great divide from this life into eternal life. If we are in the presence of our great omnipresent God, then we have nothing to fear in life or death. And praise God that we don't have to walk through the valley of life alone or the valley of death alone. Jesus will walk with us. He will lead us through to the other side as we stay near his pres- to his presence. Romans eight thirty eight and 39, Paul said, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any cre- other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he exhibits that love through his attributes. And in this case, through his omnipresence. So as believers, we should be comforted to know that God's omnipresence will be with us 
every day and even into eternity. Isaac Watts, an English minister, a hymn writer. Some of you may have heard one of his most famous ones, Joy to the World. He said so poetically, Within thy circling power I stand. On every side I find thy hand. Awake, asleep, at home, abroad, I am surrounded still with God. I just picture, I just picture, you know, every, everywhere you touch, everywhere you are, God is there with us, near to us. One writer said that God's presence is like the air we breathe. Air is odorless, tasteless, and invisible. Most of the time, we don't even think about the air we breathe, yet we depend on it for our very existence And likewise with God's presence, it's everywhere with us. And if it were withdrawn, none of us would survive. Spurgeon tells us account of an atheist man. He says, I heard a story of a man, a blasphemer, profane and atheist who was converted singularly by a sinful action of his. He had written on a piece of paper, God is nowhere. And he ordered his child to read it, for he would make him an atheist too. The child spelled it out. God is N-O-W, pause, no, N-O-W, pause, H-E-R-E. Oh, God is now here. (laughs) It was a truth instead of a lie, and the arrow pierced the man's own heart. So the next time someone tells you God is nowhere, tell them, no, no, God is now here. God's attribute of being omnipresent means that he is present everywhere at all times. God's abilities based on this attribute are that he's not limited by space, matter, or time. He cannot be contained in a building. God cannot be reduced to or represented represented by an image or a statue. He sees all. He is near and available to us. His presence is strengthening, and he is present in the born-again believer. And our accountability to this attribute is, let's remember that we are always in the presence of God, and we should walk with him in holiness. Let's draw near to and call upon him and trust in his omnipresence and care for us. And let's be comforted by the promise of God's omnipresence even into eternity. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You are so awesome. Thank you, Lord, for being everywhere we are, Father. Your very presence just surrounds us, and we thank you. Father, help us to be aware, to be mindful of your presence daily, hourly, minute by minute. Remind us of your presence, Father. Whatever we do, wherever we go, whatever we say, even when we think or feel things, help us to remember you're there, you see, you know, and you care, and you're willing to help us, Father. So help us, Lord, as we go through our days, especially before your return. Help us to remember you are there, and you love us, Father. And we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.